we want to read now two sections from the Bible uh, where uh, this concept, this theme, this picture of God as the shepherd and of men and women as the sheep, uh, where that is developed. We're turning first of all to the Old Testament and um, Ezekiel, he was a prophet. Uh, If you're using the Church Bible, page 1100. And 32. Page 1132. Uh, Otherwise, if you're using your own Bible, Ezekiel chapter 34. Uh, And here, Ezekiel um, is speaking uh, as God's prophet, God has communicated things to him that he is then to preach uh, to the people. Uh, And the people here are the Jews who have been God's special and chosen people from the time of Abraham. People that he saved um, uh, through Christ. Uh, And so now he speaks to them, chapter 34, uh, page 1132 and beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, They became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, Because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered, and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds. And will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock. So that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. And it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep. And look after them. As a shepherd looks after a scattered flock when he is with them, 
so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep, and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost, and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured, and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And then if you move to verse 23 in the same chapter. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. We turn now to the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. Page 1075, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Page 1075, John chapter 10. And here now Jesus is speaking. And here's what he says in verse 8. And he has Ezekiel 34 in mind. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief does not come uh, except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. At these words the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. Well, turn please to the second of the passages that we read. Uh, John chapter 10 in the New Testament. Uh, And um, tonight we are focusing on verse 11. Uh, From month to month we have uh, our guest service, usually on the second Lord's Day evening of the month. Uh, And uh, it's in one sense... um, Uh, From the point of view of getting ready to prepare for the service, I don't have to spend half the week wondering what I'm going to preach on. Because we've already given out a calendar in our community, uh, and uh, on that calendar for each month, there is a verse of scripture that is printed. uh, And I've committed myself from month to month uh, to preach on that Bible verse. Uh, And the text, or the verse for the month of August is John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so our theme this evening is, I want you to meet the good shepherd. I want you to meet the good shepherd. Because as in Jesus' day, so in our day, there are thieves and there are robbers and there are harlings. Many people competing for your attention, your loyalty, your following, your faith. But there is one only who is the Good Shepherd. And so I want you to meet him this evening. The land in which Jesus was born and grew up was largely a land of small sheep farmers. A man with maybe a dozen or twenty sheep that he led out each day from a sheep pen where they were kept safe at night and he led them out then to places where there was pasture because in that dry climate Uh, They needed to be guided uh, to uh, pasture and grass. It's not like here in Northern Ireland. Lots of rain, lots of green grass. And then they needed also to be taken to places where they would find water to drink. Because in the dry climate again, there are only certain places you could find water. In that day also, there were wild animals that roamed the countryside. And these wild animals... Uh, were always looking for a tasty bite. And the sheep was a very attractive 
and a very vulnerable uh, proposition. And so the shepherd, as well as taking the sheep to grass and to water, his job was to protect them from the wild animals. And so this is a very common sight uh, in Palestine where Jesus grew up because it was largely agricultural and rural. And even if you lived in a city in those days and perhaps you did a different job, you were a soldier, maybe a tax collector, or you were a doctor or a teacher, even then you would have understood the work of the shepherd. Travelling from town to town or city, one city to another, and walking by foot, you'd have passed through the countryside and you would have seen the shepherd at work, leading his sheep to grass, leading his sheep to water, protecting his sheep from the wild animals. In Jesus' day, there were good shepherds and there were bad shepherds. Just as in our day, you'll hear employers talking about good workers and bad workers. And the bad shepherd then, like the poor worker now, punched in time, did the minimum. He led the sheep out in the morning and said, well, this grass is not very green, it's a bit dried up, but it'll do. Or he came to a pool and it wasn't very clean water, or it wasn't the kind of water the sheep would uh, drink sufficient of, but it will do. The bad shepherd was in the job for the money. The good shepherd, on the other hand, loved being with sheep. He loved working with sheep. He loved leading them out each day and it was his delight and joy to take them to fresh, luscious grass. To watch them grazing with contentment. And then to take them to waters where they would drink cool, fresh water and then they would lie down. And it was his delight to watch over them while they lay down and to protect them from the wild animals. You see, for the good shepherd, sheep were not just his livelihood. They were his life. They were his life. And it is against this background in Palestine that Jesus comes now and he says to this crowd, the words of verse 11 of John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now what is Jesus saying here? Well he's not talking here about sheep that are four-legged and covered in wool and need to be led out to water and to grass and protected from wild animals. He's talking now about men and women. In other words, he takes an image, a picture from everyday life. And he says, I want you, my listeners, to think of yourselves as sheep. And I am the shepherd. And there are two things 
that I want us to remember tonight as we meet the Good Shepherd. First of all, Jesus claim. Jesus claim. Who Jesus is. His claim here that is exclusive and his claim here that is enduring. In other words, he is the only shepherd and he continues to be the good shepherd. Look at what he says. Here's his claim. I am the good shepherd. I've tried to paint for you already the rural agricultural background behind this picture. But there's also another background. A background that we came to there in Ezekiel chapter 34. The idea of the shepherd and the sheep. Where the shepherd is now God. And where the sheep are men and women. You see these people to whom Jesus speaks these words. I am the good shepherd. They had a background in the Bible. They had a background uh, in the things of God. That background that we read of there in Ezekiel chapter 34. And they have been God's chosen people way, way back for 2,000 years before the time of Jesus. And the first half of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, records God's dealings with those people, the Jews, down through the centuries. And in the Old Testament, and with those people, God often uses the idea of the shepherd and the sheep. And he says, I, God, am the shepherd. And you are the sheep, you whom I brought to myself. We sang there from Psalm 100. It's at the heart of that psalm. We'll sing at the end of our service from Psalm 23, which begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 80 also develops this thing of God as the shepherd. And then on the other side, there are passages like Isaiah 53, which describes the Jews as sheep. And you and I as sheep who have gone astray. So there's a rural background to this, an everyday background, and there is a religious background uh, to this phrase and this idea of the shepherd. And then we have uh, in Ezekiel chapter 34 this passage where God addresses the leaders of his people. We could say the leaders of the church because that's what it is. The church in the Old Testament. And they're not acting as good shepherds. They're like the bad shepherds. Only in it for the money. Only in the church for what they can get out of it. And they're neglecting the people. And against that background, what does God say? He promises to establish one shepherd over them. 
who will come from the family of David. And he will feed them, and he will care for them, and he will protect them. And so what is happening here now in John chapter 10, is that Jesus takes all of that picture of the Old Testament scriptures, that picture from everyday life, and he says, I want you to see me, I want you to meet me, I want you to know me as the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. You see, Jesus has read the Old Testament. And he knows that all those references to the shepherd whom God would send, that they are now being fulfilled in him who has come down from heaven, who has come from God and has taken a human body to himself. And Jesus says to the crowd, and he says to you and me this evening, I am the good Shepherd. That's his claim. And literally Jesus says, I myself, I alone am the shepherd, the good one. That's the emphasis in the way in which it's written here. I myself, or I alone. That's why it's an exclusive claim. Um, I'm the shepherd, the good one. He is claiming to be that shepherd of Psalm 23, of Psalm 80, and of Ezekiel chapter 34. And it is a staggering claim that Jesus makes. He is claiming to be God. To be God. To be equal with God. To be eternal with God. To be unchangeable like God. And this is not lost on the religious leaders. Because they say this man is out of his mind. And later on they are going to stone him in this chapter. Because he is claiming to be God. Jesus is telling the crowd. That he is God the shepherd. And he alone is that. And he is the good shepherd. He's telling the crowd not that he is one of many ways to know God. He doesn't say I myself or I alone am a shepherd. No, he says, I myself, I alone am the shepherd. He's the only shepherd, the only person by whom you and I and these people can enter into a right relationship with God. That is his claim. Tonight, who is your shepherd? Who are you following 
in life. Who is it that you look to? And who is it that you set up on a pedestal and follow? Who shapes and molds your life? The scriptures tell us and Jesus is telling us and in his name I tell you there is only one good shepherd. One who is worthy to follow. One who is worthy of our love and our loyalty and attention and affection. And that one is Jesus. God himself. Come down in human flesh. He and he alone is the beautiful one. The one who can save. For he himself is without sin. That's Jesus' claim. A claim that is exclusive. And a claim that is enduring. But then let's think secondly about his work. And again we want to see that his work is exclusive to him. And it is an enduring work. What has Jesus done? Verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's his work. Yes, there's other things that the shepherd will do for the sheep. And Jesus talks about those in the earlier part of the chapter. Uh, and he will provide for his sheep. He will protect his sheep. Uh, and he will uh, make sure that they have what they need. But that all flows from this crucial and central and ultimate thing. That the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Without that, the other things are useless and worthless. Now we mentioned earlier good shepherds and bad shepherds. In everyday life the man who was hired and paid a wage to look after the sheep would not give his all for the sheep. He wouldn't give his life. Why not? Because the sheep didn't belong to him. They were not of supreme worth to him. The sheep were only a means to an end. They were only a way to earn a living. And by contrast, there is no limit to the lengths that the owner of the sheep will go to provide for them. No effort is too great. No distance is too far to get green, luscious grass. No danger uh, is too great to protect them from. No task is too exacting. 
He'd be willing to take this sheep here that's injured and nurse it back again to well-being. Uh, he'd be willing to take this sheep that has been attacked by parasites or by disease and care for it. You see, the shepherd, if a sheep gets lost, he'll not turn around and say, well, I've still got 99. Or I started out with 20 today and I've still got 19. No, you see, the shepherd will go after the lost sheep. And Jesus, the good shepherd, takes his role even further. He takes it to the ultimate point. It's not just that Jesus may have to risk his life for the sheep. That's the reality that a shepherd lived with every day. I may go out today and I may encounter a wild animal today that attacks the sheep and as I go to protect the sheep from that wild animal... I may lose my life. No doubt every morning. Saying goodbye to his wife and his children. Realising that he may not come back that night. Because he's had to lay down his life for the sheep. But you see with Jesus. It's not just that he may have to lay down his life. Or to risk his life for the sheep. He will lay down his life. It's a certainty. It's a reality that he knows will happen one day in the Father's time. Laying down his life for the sheep is the ultimate reason for his coming into the world. It's the ultimate reason for taking on the role of shepherd. So how does he want the crowd to understand this action of laying down his life? What is he referring to when he says the good shepherd lays down his life? Well he's referring to the cross. He's referring to Calvary. He's referring to the time when he, the sinless one, will be put on the cross and he will take the sins of his people upon himself and God will pour out his wrath upon him there on the cross that sinners like you and me, that we can be saved. Notice, how Jesus describes this in verse 18. He says, No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. This is a voluntary sacrifice that he makes. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. And he's showing here that this is the act that is exclusive to him. The hard hand is not the shepherd. When he sees the wolf coming, he runs away, cares nothing for the sheep. And notice how this is a saving action. 
Notice that little phrase, he lays down his life for the sheep. For the sheep. It's not for himself. It's not as a martyr. It is rather as a sacrifice. And the word literally is on behalf of. In the place of the sheep. And it comes out again in verse 15. And so Jesus is referring to the cross then. What Jesus has done. Laid down his life. His sinless life. For sin filled lives. Taking God's judgment upon his sinless life. So that your sinful life and my sinful life and the sinful lives of these men and women might be pardoned and forgiven and that we might be brought to God. That is Jesus' exclusive work. Only he can do that for us. And that is Jesus' enduring work that he has done for people and accomplished at Calvary for people past and present and right into the future. Laying down his life for our sins. I am the good shepherd. Jesus exclusive and enduring claim. Who lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus exclusive and enduring work. And what is the good shepherd who laid down his life? What is the good shepherd who makes this claim and has done this work? What does he require of you? Of me? In response. We'll look at verse 27. My sheep. Do you want to be one of Jesus' sheep? Do you want to belong to his flock? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Then here's what my sheep do. Verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. What wonderful, wonderful blessings are held out to you and to me and to all men and women and boys and girls by the shepherd who laid down his life to be his sheep he says you've got to listen to my voice now that doesn't mean that you shut yourself away in your room and you fold your arms and you enter your mind of everything See, right, I'm listening I'm waiting to hear God's voice 
We hear God's voice. You hear God's voice. I hear God's voice when we open this book and we read it. That's how God speaks. That's how Jesus speaks to us today. And he says, hear my voice. You ought to be my sheep. Open the scriptures. They speak of me. The Old Testament and the New Testament. You find everything you need to know about me there. Not anywhere else. Hear my voice. Can I ask you this evening? Are you hearing his voice? Are you opening the scriptures? The Bible? Reading it day by day? Because that's how you become a sheep. By hearing his voice. And he will speak to you from this written word. And by a spirit. In a way in which no one can understand or explain. He takes it and he makes it live to your heart and your life. That you say I am that sinner. And he is that shepherd saviour. And what do you do then? You hear him. And you follow him. You follow him. You forget about the sporting icons that have got gold at the Olympics and you don't follow them. You forget about the pop stars and the football icons and you don't follow them because they're hirelings. They're hirelings. Yes, they offer you so much but when trouble comes and when your sin weighs upon you Will they save you from your sin? No, they won't. But the good shepherd will. And so you hear his voice. And you follow him. And as you hear his voice and follow him, look at what you receive. Eternal life. Jesus' exclusive and enduring claim. I am the good shepherd. Jesus' exclusive and enduring work who lays down his life for sinful sheep like you and me. And he says, hear my voice. Turn from your sin. Repent of it. Believe in me. And follow me. And you will have eternal life. Have you met the shepherd? Let's pray. Our God and our Father, thank you for Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the Beautiful One, the One who, and who alone, is able to deal with all that twistedness and sin and filth that is in each one of us. And that manifests itself in our relationship with you and our relationships with one another. Thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. And thank you that he was without this filth and without this iniquity and sin and transgression. And so he laid down that beautiful life, that sinless life. And he said, Father, pour out your wrath upon me. Judge me so that they will be saved. 
we thank you that through Jesus we become part of your people. We become sheep in your flock. We thank you that he laid down his life and he knew he would do that from the very beginning. And we thank you, Lord God, that he took it up again. And that tonight Jesus lives. He's not dead. He sits at your right hand. And tonight he says to us, Come, hear my voice, follow me, and have eternal life. O God, we pray that you would apply your word to our hearts and our lives that we would hear Jesus, that we would follow him, that we would have eternal life. In Jesus' name, Amen.